Hello, my friends. Welcome. My name is Joe. This is The Joe Martino Show. And today my daughter Kendra stops by once again and we talk about every parent's worst nightmare, secret rebellion. And what are we doing when we parent our children? What's the goal? How do we get there? Let's kick it off. This is The Joe Martino Show. You're listening to The Joe Martino Show, a podcast dealing with all things emotional, relational, and human nature. Joe is a licensed counselor in the state of Michigan, specializing in relationship therapy. He is also the author of the book, The Emotionally Secure Couple. All advice offered in this episode is offered for entertainment and educational purposes only. Enjoy the show. All right, welcome. Once again, my daughter Kendra's with me today, and today we're going to talk about two things. We're going to talk about what she calls secret rebellion, and we're going to talk about what I think are the hardest years of parenting girls, the 12 to 15 years old. Um, I've talked with you, my my podcast audience, a couple times about some of my experiences in the 12 to 15 years. Uh, I've got no idea where this one is going to go. When I do these with other people, uh, outside of my family, we have questions that we that we agree on ahead of time. When I do it with my family, I'm like, let's just sit down and talk and figure out how it goes. So, Kendra, go ahead and say hi. Hey, everyone. I'm Kendra. All right. Let's kick it off. Let's talk about... Uh, well, let's start with the 12 to 15 years for a second. I think the 12 to 15 years, ages 12 to 15, are the hardest years in raising a girl. Uh, Joey is my only son, and he's 10, and so I don't know what 12 will be like with him. In, in four years, I might think that 12 to 15 is the hardest years of raising a boy as well. Um... I know what it looked like from my perspective, and I think some of this is going to roll right into your, you know, secret rebellion thing. Um, but I remember when you were twelve, and the first time I dropped you off, and I said I love you, and you didn't say it back, and like I was crushed, like like sledgehammer swung by the world's strongest man straight to my chest, with with no protection. Um, and, and then I remember when you hit like 16, I was like, oh my gosh, my daughter's back. <laughs> and, and those three years, no offense, were hell. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I was awful. I'm aware of that. Okay, now. so talk to me about that. Like, like, here's some things that I think would be helpful for the listeners. Mm-hmm. What should they expect? So, so that mom that has an 11-year-old girl, what should she expect? H- how do, do they respond, right? Because I think that was the biggest... Especially when it's your oldest. Like, I got no frame of reference. And I know we did another episode where you talked about, like, hey, the things that work for one kid don't work for every kid, which I agree with, of course. And yet, um, there are there were some similarities in how we navigated those years with all three of you girls. So jump in anywhere there you want, and we'll just kind of figure it out from there. So I'll say, like, with 12 through 15 for me personally, I remember a couple different things happening almost all at once that really changed, I think, how I viewed the world, and then by proxy of that, how I felt about my family and just, like, how I interacted with everything. I remember the day I just, like, woke up, and I realized that, like, adults weren't perfect. And I know that probably sounds weird to, like, adult listeners here, But if you really think back, I'm sure you can remember it. As a little kid, like, you just have all of this faith that your teachers are looking for your best interests and they know what they're talking about and your parents have your best interests and they know what they're talking about all the time, always. Well, I was disabused of that at a very (laughs) early age, but I I get what you're driving at. Those, like, whenever you have that realization, and I had friends who had it a lot later in life and I had friends who had it around the same time I did, that's really disorienting, especially as a preteen. Sure. Realizing 
that there is a level of doubt that comes with those in your life that you're supposed to trust. And I, that's normal. Like, you're not always right, but I'm in a place now where, like, I can accept that and we can work through that stuff. Right. But as a preteen, that was so incredibly weird and uncomfortable. Sure. And then I also just became aware bigger picture of how much anger there is in the world and how people treat each other. And all of that just shattered. And it wasn't that I wasn't exposed to it beforehand. I think I just finally realized the gravity of sure. the, like treatment. And, and so you decided to suck some of that anger into yourself? Yeah. Okay. All right. I, I, but part of that is like intention, right? Your mom yeah. and I, we, we, we purposely, when you guys were little, moved to a secluded mm-hmm. spot of the world. Uh, we purposely have kept you somewhat sheltered. Mm-hmm. And yet, we try to expose you at the same time, and finding that balance is never perfect. And then on top of that, like all of those realizations, middle school is just awful. <laughs> yeah, and a, and a lot of it I came to realize later for you, and this actually kind of messed me up for your sisters. Mm-hmm. For you, I realized that so much of it had to do with that fourth grade experience, which mm-hmm. was terrible. I mean, it was And wasn't... at the time, I didn't really think much about the teacher I felt the teacher handled it well. Now, looking back, I think that that teacher should have been fired at the end of that year. The catch was it wasn't even just fourth grade. I will. It happened probably late second, third grade. Fourth and fifth is just when I started becoming aware cognitively of aware of how bad it was. Sure, sure. Right? And that's when I could take some more control back, but at the expense of my happiness, I think. Sure. Because a lot of the behaviors you guys saw of that very like standoffish preteen was I just didn't know how to turn it off when I got home from school. Because right. I had to be that way at school if I wanted any semblance of a normal school day. Right. Um, a lot of it was just coping and survival to get me through middle school. And that brings up the first point that I want to drive home for the listeners is I think sometimes parents make the mistake that they think their kids' interactions with them is only about them. Mm-hmm. Which makes sense because, right, if you're being mean to me, I'm the one who feels it. And and parents have feelings and emotions. And, you know, you have your picture of how being a parent's going to go. And that's rarely accurate. Um, and and they don't often stop and think, well, what might what else might be going on in my child's life that is driving this? Mm-hmm. Right? And so, uh, you, you know, and that did throw me off a little bit when your sisters got to be 12. Because they didn't seem to have the same experiences... In, in early grades as you did. And so I didn't expect them to turn 12 like you turned 12, and they did. So something mom and I have talked about a lot, because mom's told me a couple times about how she went to your guys' like mentor or whatever when I was just being terrible. Yeah. And she like begged him for help. Yep. And one of the things he told her is some of it you guys were up against is just brain development. Yes. How the brain develops around 12 or 13 is the reason those realizations happen. Yes. And the reason they're so hard. Yes. Yep. And so what would be your advice? Obviously, my advice to parents is always just stay the course, stay the course, stay the course. As a student, as as someone who recently was 12, right? I know it was 10 years ago. <laughs> what do you, what wasn't 10 years, but whatever. It was, yeah. was a while ago. Eight years. What do you, uh, what do you recommend for parents? So I definitely do think the consistency matters, but also throw your kids like a life raft that they're not going to take. Keep reaching out and showing them that you care, knowing they're not going to take it. Because one day that will even out, and they will be able to see that and appreciate it. I've told my sisters before when they've gone through the same, like, worldview struggles, 
of look I know it's really hard right now but one day you guys will reach a point where you appreciate what mom and dad are trying to do even if you don't always agree with it or like that they're doing it right and that's that's the great rub isn't it like we all want to raise independent kids because independent kids become independent adults Mm -hmm. but we don't want them to be independent kids who agree with everything we do (laughs) yeah which is the exact opposite of independent yep like you guys what you did well and I know I just kept turning you away was giving me those like hey what's going on do you want to talk about it we're here for you Right. And I, tur- like I said, I think I turned it away literally every time you did it from ages 12 to 15. Yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> maybe maybe but, not. I hate, I hate universals, but that's probably true. Yeah. This might be a good time for one. Around 16-ish, first of all, stuff evened out at school, which got uh, made it a lot easier for me. Right. It's around the age stuff evened out at school. But then on top of that, it was around the age where I started being able to see, even if what you did annoyed me, why, where the good intentions were, and I was able to appreciate it. Right. One of the greatest compliments you've ever given me. I don't know if you remember this or not, but you actually said to me one time, you were like, you know the thing that's most annoying about you? I'm like, I'm assuming that's a long list. And you were like, it is. Right there, you said it again. (laughs) It is. But the thing that's most annoying about you is you'll say something and it just annoys me. That's not quite what you said, but this is a PG show. Uh, And... And you said, and then later I realized it's right. And that's even <laughs> I worse. That no, I don't know what age I was when I said that, but I was so right for that. <laughs> and that's something that I think parents take personally. And I remember laughing. Like, I tried not to laugh when you told me. But when you walked away, as you often want to do, I laughed because, like, that means I'm winning. And there's a great deal of pain there. And I think that's one of the things that you and I have talked about a lot is... People have to accept that life just has pain. And the things that matter the most to you often will bring the most pain. And so raising kids is a painful experience because the very thing that you're trying to raise makes them difficult to raise. And the truth is, I feel like, man, knock on wood, for those of you who can't see me because I have the perfect face for radio and podcast, (laughs) I'm literally knocking on my head right now because I still have a young child at home and teenagers. But, you know, by and large, I feel like you guys have turned out really well Mm -hmm. and you're doing the things that we'd always hoped and dreamed for you to do. But getting here can be very painful. I would also say the other thing that you guys kind of did out of desperation and nothing else is to an extent you just have to let your kids be that way. And I don't mean like let it like it can go without consequences if they're being disrespectful, right? Like obviously continue to parent. But at some point you might just have to accept that at the current stage of life your kid's at, they're just going to be kind of standoffish and they're not going to want to hang out with you. And that's something you can't take personally. You just kind of have to let it happen. Right. And and I, I would, the only thing I would take exception to is that we did it, however you put it, I wouldn't agree with that. <laughs> we did it very intentionally mm-hmm. because I do believe that you can only invite your kids to do stuff. You well, can't make them. When I said out of desperation, I that's remember <laughs> like age 12, you guys tried really hard to pull me out of it. And then around 13 or 14, I think is when you made that we need a different approach. Yes, absolutely. And that's when it, sure, yep, then intentionality yep. fits. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And that kind of leads us into the second half of today's episode. Uh, the, the silent rebellion or the open rebellion, you know, now in truth, you and your sisters, your rebellions were never overly big mm-hmm. right like like certainly I've worked with clients who their kids are sneaking out at 10 o'clock partially that's because we live so far out that if you were I've to... literally run that through my head before I don't think there's any way I can leave our house without a car right right exactly <laughs> uh but let's talk about that you that's something you see a lot you, you know with your friends the secret rebellion or open rebellion just kind of jump in there wherever you think appropriate yeah I will I will say personally in my experience first of all growing up some of my close friends had parents 
that were pretty strict about like social media and who they talked to and stuff. And those kids were often the ones I knew the most who were doing stuff that I'd say as a told you like, hey, do you really think you should be like talking to that person? We don't know them and they claim to be in high school. And, like, have to bring up those points from conversations I had with my parents. Right. But what often happens is your kids are just going to find a way around you if they don't know why that stuff is bad. Because, like, my friends hadn't considered the stuff I'd say to them about, like, well, are we sure we want to talk to them? But I had friends who they'd download Kick, and then they'd have hidden messages on Kick with people. We were 12. I'm going to guess those people were in their 30s. They told my friends they were in high school, but from information I look back now, they were much older. Right. Right. Kick was a banned app in our house, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I did, never had it. I never really wanted it, though, because I right. had other options. Right. But so you'd have, like, I'd have friends with super strict parents. They'd find ways around it. I actually know kids who they'd go to their friends in school, download apps on their friends' phones, and use their friends' phones to access things like Snapchat if they weren't allowed it. Right. They'd ask their friend to sign out. I yep. actually had a client ask his friends to sign out. He'd sign in. I had a... Message all his friends, sign out, and then they'd sign yeah. back in. Not a close friend, but a girl, like, we ran in similar circles. I'd say sophomore year of high school and her parents caught her sending nudes to a boy which is a bad thing yeah and so they took her phone away but they didn't do any other like preventative stuff or like any conversation with her like hey what drove you to send nudes to a boy so she got one of our other mutual friends phones and she'd go to the school bathroom log into her snapchat account that wasn't disabled it was just on her old phone do the same activities that got her phone taken away in the first place on the friend's phone log out, give it back to her friend, and then they repeat the next time she wanted to do it. Right, right. I shouldn't laugh, but, like, I think it's just funny because a lot of parents tend to take one of two approaches to this. Well, I can't say anything because when I was a kid, blah, 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 which is one of the dumbest arguments (laughs) I hear. And then the other one is... Well, they're just going to do it anyhow. And to my knowledge, the reason I call it Secret Rebellion, these friends now, like, we're all adults, we're all 19, 20, 21. Most of them, to my knowledge, didn't get caught or they only got caught once or twice before they got smarter than however they were getting caught. Right. So right now, the moms that are listening to this episode are freaking out. Yes. <laughs> right? What would you say should, could be some courses of... So like with you, I know what I did. Mm-hmm. I always had access to your phone. At any point, I could walk up and be like, give me your phone. And I, if I can't unlock it, you're in trouble. Mm-hmm. Right? And and I would scroll through and, and I'd even open your Snapchat and be like, who's this? Who's this? Who's this? Um, what would... So I know that we did those things and I'll offer some of them up at the end. But what are things that you think parents can do? Because the part that's going to be terrifying to them is they never got caught. Mm-hmm. And, and some of those had absent parents, right? Like, yes. Yep. That's just the reality of our world. There are kids that have absent parents, that have parents that are narcissists, they have parents that are jerks, they have parents that are not equipped to be parents, Uh, they have parents that are incredibly busy just trying to pay the bills and make sure that there's a roof over everybody's head, Mm -hmm. and they want to do what's best for their kids. We're going to skip all the first people that I talked about, Mm because they probably need therapy. That's what will help them. But the parents that are just trying to pay bills, that are just trying to make sure that they're raising kids that are good humans, what would you say to them? How do they go about having conversations with their kids about this secret rebellion? Or how do they check on it? How do they look for these hidden apps? What are things that they can do? Yeah, um, I'd say one of the first things that I think was really helpful that some of my friends' parents caught on to a little bit later in high school, it's something you guys did, is having those conversations about like, okay, well, why is this important to you? Like when I wanted Snapchat, one of the things I had to articulate to you was why is it important to me? And you agreed with rules. 
Because a lot of times, one of the reasons I think kids do rebel and they'll go to on their phone is parents, whether they realize it or not, they didn't just take away their tool for their daughter to send nudes. They also took away the tool for their daughter to talk to her friends when she right. leaves school. Right. Well, that was one of the biggest reasons that we decided to go ahead with Snapchat was mm-hmm. I came to the realization everybody in your, your mm-hmm. peer group is using it to communicate. So it's better to teach you how to manage it. Mm-hmm. Then remove it, and then someday you're someday you're gonna get it, whether it's Snapchat or whatever's coming next. Yep. And you don't have the muscle memory on how to manage it because I never gave you the opportunity to fail at managing yep. it. And even something like Kick, I'd said earlier, the reason I didn't want it is because I had other options. Right. You guys gave me other ways I could message my friends and other ways I can do that that you deemed more safe, probably for parental controls I don't even know about. Right. But that you deemed more safe. So if have those conversations with your kids. If you find them using Snapchat inappropriately, ask them, well, why do you want to keep Snapchat? And if they have reasons like that, their social life is incredibly important to them. Try to find other safer alternatives that they can keep up with that stuff, and you'll probably find them wanting to rebel less. Right. Because the thing of it is, is almost everyone wants their own independence. They want to be mm-hmm. their own person. Uh, it, it's kind of a, a moot movement now but in the not so recent past we had hipsters and i used to always laugh at hipsters because they all were individuals all four thousand of them dressed exactly the same (laughs) with winter caps and flannels on in july uh but when parents just put the hammer down of no you can't do this it moves it moves the silent rebellion to an almost top secret rebellion, mm-hmm. right? Like I, I think about a, a client that I was consulted on about one time, got caught doing inappropriate things. Parents took the phone away, rightfully so. Mm-hmm. Parents even took the the, the the teenager to counseling, but they didn't have the conversation with the student about like, why did you do this? What's going on? What is it? What, what did that fulfill? Because those conversations are incredibly difficult to have because the chances are your parent, your kid is going to tell you something that you're failing at, and nobody wants to hear that. Also, I think a conversation of intentions really matters. Something yeah. you guys started doing when I was in, I don't know, early high school that really helped is when I got punished for something, the intention of what your goal was by doing this punishment was explicitly told to me. Right. Which is, again, where I said in the other podcast, later in life, I should be able to appreciate that stuff more. Right, right. Um, so it, it can feel really hard, and I think a lot of times some parents feel frustrated because they feel like having to explain themselves mean their kid doesn't respect them. Right. But I think that explanation, with, especially with that trickier stuff where kids are going to do it if they want to, can really help you bridge that gap with your kids and maybe have them respect you more. And they also might not respect you to your face. Right, and the thing that drives me nuts about the respect card is it's almost like, I feel like dis- disrespect and gaslighting were in an Oprah Winfrey show. <laughs> Oh, you get gaslighted and you get gaslighted and you get gaslit and you get gaslit and that's disrespect mm-hmm. and that's disrespect. And it's really not. It's just people disagreeing. Mm-hmm. And people disagreeing is not disrespect. Even if those people disagreeing are the people that you're charged with raising, i.e. your kids. Right? And and the intention piece, I think this is something that people miss out on so much. Like, I'll never forget, like, the first time. <laughs> I still laugh at this. When one time you were just little. You're probably 11. And you just stopped talking. We were in the middle of a back and forth. And I was like, what are you doing? And you're like, I'm trying to decide if I think getting, if that punishment is worth what I want to do or not. <laughs> yeah. And I realized at that point that you were not me, mm-hmm. right? Because I am all, let's just go, where you're a lot like me. One of the places that you're not is you're, where you're more like your mom is, A, you tend to shut down when you get hyper distressed. Mm-hmm. And B, you're very methodical. 
in thinking out your revenge. Oh, it drove you guys crazy, but you yes. punishments. I always was weighing out what yes. do I want versus what am I getting threatened with. Yeah, and I had to run out very quickly what is the purpose of my intervention, which is, of course, mm-hmm. the counselor's term for punishment and discipline, <laughs> right? And it's not to make you agree with me. It's to it's to somehow develop who you're becoming as an mm-hmm. adult. And, and I think the other thing, the other thing that made me laugh is one time you said to me, I said, we need to talk about this. You were mad at me for something. It might have been the infamous you yelled at me, and I was like, no, I didn't. <laughs> and you were like, well, you might have if you kept talking. Um, well, also for viewers, he gets a very stern, loud voice because he's just a loud talker. So as a kid, that just like loud projection can sound like yelling, even if his intention's not to right, yell. Right, but that time I didn't yell. I literally walked around uh-huh. like, hey, what are you doing? Uh, but one of the things that, that, that you said to me was... And I said, you, we need to talk about this. And you're like, no. I'm like, okay, then I get your phone until you're ready to talk or until you tell me the time frame that you do. Do you remember this? I, vaguely, yeah. Until the time frame that you're ready to talk. And you were like, well, why? And I was like, because someday you're going to be married. And right, she just made a face. <laughs> someday you're going to be married. And she simultaneously sex- checks her Snapchat to see if her uh, friend sna- sent her a snap. Shut up. Uh, you're going to be married and, and you're going to be an adult and you're going to be distressed and you're going to have to talk. And, and couples that don't learn to talk in distress end up on my couch and often end up before a divorce judge. And so even now at age 13, which is when this conversation happened, and there, you know, you're not anywhere near date marrying someone or hopefully dating someone either. I had no prospects. Right. Uh, you have to develop this muscle. And that's the thing that I, I wish I could convince people of. Parenting is about teaching your kids to develop their muscles so that they're ready when they go out into the world, right? I do liken it a bit to sports in that when you practice, you do drills that you don't actually do the exact drill in the game, but the drill is to build a skill that you will need in the game. And it's the same thing with parenting. All right, we're kind of up against the time. Is there anything you want to add? I don't think so. I think that wraps it up. All right, cool. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this, please share it with three of your friends. We find value in sharing things that matter to us with people uh, for free. And that's one of the reasons that we don't have advertising on this. Uh, If you have any questions, feel free to email me, joe at joemartino.com. Slap podcast in the subject line so I don't miss it. And uh, let me know what you think. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please share with a friend. And hey, give us that rating in your podcast store. Until next time, change possible.